Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word.
Yes, I like that energy. Awesome. We want to welcome you to Faith Baptist Church to our second ever online live stream. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, for those of you who were here last week for our very first live stream, uh, thank you so much for joining us again. Here at Faith Baptist Church, we are all about truth, community, and engagement. This morning, we're going to hear from the truth. We're going to engage in community in our own homes via the internet. We're so thankful for the technologies that allow us to do that. But then we've been talking about engagement. How can we support and encourage one another? Um, I don't know if you realize, but Friday was the first day of spring, March 20th. Is that exciting or what? We're having warmer temperatures. The sun is shining. Those Canadian geese are flying overhead. I don't know if you've noticed that. Isn't that funny? Canadian geese, snowbirds, they've been down south all winter. Now they're flying back over the border. They're not practicing social distancing. They're not quarantining themselves. You know, you sit inside and you listen to the news and it makes you feel one way. And then you step outside and you see God's creation. You see those geese flying. You see the robins. You see the tulips coming up. You see the sun melting the snow. And it's just a reminder that God's in control. Creation goes on. He's sustaining. He's sovereign. And we just want to praise God for that. Uh, last week, I got home after the live stream, and my son Reese told me, Daddy, I was watching you on TV, and I was waving, and you weren't waving back. And he wasn't happy at all. So I don't know if we could get like a really close shot here. Uh, Reese, Jade, if you guys are watching, I just wanted to say hi. Hi to all the other kids out there. Anybody who's waving right now at the screen, I can see you waving there. Hello. Welcome. We're so glad that you tuned in. Reese, there you go, buddy. All right. We've moved our Celebration Sunday service online, as you noticed last week. We want to support our government. We want to encourage our health care system. And we want to do all that we can in this time to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. So that's why we're meeting online today. And we're so thankful that you've tuned in. Feel free to comment. Uh, feel free to get in touch with us. We've had a lot of people reaching out to us online, giving us phone calls, asking about how to use this technology, how to engage with us on social media, how to give online, and we've had great conversations. Can I tell you that when you take the opportunity to call someone or check in on someone, when you think that you are being a blessing and encouragement to them, oftentimes you get just as much encouragement and blessing back. So why don't you take this opportunity to phone some people, even today, after we finish our live stream, call people who are in your life group. Call people who are in your neighborhood. Just check in. Hear somebody's actual voice over the phone. It's such an encouragement, not only to them, but also to you. Um, I've called a number of people in our church family and had some great conversations. They've had some awesome ideas as to how to really use this time for family, to use this time for reading scripture, for prayer, for getting outside, bicycling. Somebody was telling me they were making nature jars with their kids the other day, and their kids said this was one of the best days of their life because they were just together with their family outside in nature. So I encourage you, Outside isn't closed. You can still get outside. We live in a beautiful province. There's lots of space to practice social distancing. Get outside. Enjoy the sunshine. Go see the ocean. Do a hike up in Wentworth. I'd encourage you to get outside. The vitamin D is good for your skin and good for your heart and mind as well. 
Um, we are so looking forward to the time when we're going to be back together in person as a church family. How great is that going to be? We're going to be back in this place together. We don't know exactly when that's going to be, but we are looking forward to the day when we get to stand here and celebrate. But until then, we're going to connect via the internet. So why don't you go ahead, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram. You can find all of those things at our website, sharethejourney.ca. If you need help connecting with us, downloading our church app, feel free to reach out to us. I want to make that clear. Uh, we don't really have the opportunity to run programs right now or organize group activities, but we can still connect online. Give us a phone call. We would love to chat with you. We'd love to hear your voice and have a conversation. This morning, we are so excited. We're going to have Doug Campbell with us sharing from God's Word. We are continuing on in our Rescuer series. Isn't that what we all need as a rescuer? We need hope. We need purpose. We need encouragement. And I believe that Doug has a word from God for us today, from God's word, Luke chapter 2. Why don't you grab your Bibles, have them with you. We're in our Gospel Project curriculum today, our three-year journey through the Bible. We're going to be talking about Jesus being dedicated at the temple from Luke chapter 2. So I want to encourage you, this is an online experience. We can't see you at home. I don't want to give you that impression. Big Brother's not looking over your shoulder. But we certainly hope that you are going to engage with us in this. Stand up, join us in worship, uh, wake up your teenagers. Don't let this be just background noise. Engage in worship. Uh, we want to hear you singing from your homes all over the village, all over Colchester County. So we're going to continue in worship here in a moment, but why don't I just open our service in prayer? Father God, we just thank you so much for the technology, for the team of people who are able to make this happen. God, we pray for our church family. Uh, we pray for those who follow us online, those who might be tuning in this morning for the first time, maybe never stepped foot in a church, but because this is online in the comfort of their own homes that they're able to tune in. God, we just thank you so much that we have the opportunity to share your love, to share your hope, to share your purpose and your vision, your mission for humanity today. God, we thank you so much that you give us hope in times like these. And God, we think about people who have no hope today, uh, people who might have been resting and relying in finances, future, relationships, whatever it might be. They might feel like the rug's been pulled out from underneath them. God, we know that you are not a crutch. We know that you are the foundation. You are the sustainer and the creator, the father of all mankind. God, we just pray that we would turn to you in this time for our hope, for our purpose, for our direction and our future. Thank you for how you love us, for how you care for us, and how you are watching over us even now. We commit this service to you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
again. Hallelujah, God above it all. this very moment God is actually doing work and you may not actually be able to see it and maybe you can't even feel it but God right now is doing a work and even in the middle of the chaos even in um, the middle of all the confusion and the uncertainty we serve a God that can make a way we serve a God that is the light in the darkness we serve a God who keeps his promises he is the way maker so as you're home in your living room Maybe you're still sitting in your bed. I don't know where you are. But one thing I do know is that right now in this moment, we can all come together and we can worship our Lord. And we can just worship that he is in the way maker, regardless of what is going on, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what is going on. We serve a God that can make a way. And if you believe that in your home right now, I just want you to say amen. Can we just say that? Amen. That we serve a God that loves us so much and he will make a way. So don't give up hope. Don't give up hope because Jesus is there and he is with us. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you.
You're touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship.
be afraid for I am your God I will sustain you listen to these words I will sustain you I will help you and I will hold on to you with my righteous hands let us just sink in that truth that comes right from Scripture right from the Bible that God promises that he will hold on to us in the middle of the night in the middle of the darkest hours so we feel like we have nothing to cling to let it be Jesus 
that you cling to because he promises that he will never leave us and that he will always be there. services they are amazing <laughs> thank goodness God is so gracious and we just pray that you all will be as gracious with us today this is new for us sometimes you don't sing the right verse and then you try and fix it and then sometimes you have to move your capo <laughs> these things happen but we are still just so happy that God is here that we are coming together to worship this morning and we are excited because we know that the Lord is with us Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Well, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Well, Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus regrets and mistakes come today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born but Jesus is calling Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious
Music is such a big part of, of uh, what we do when we get together, and uh, even when we can't get together, it's still a big part of our lives. I hope that, uh, that you could enter in some of the truths that we're singing about today, because uh, it's just awesome, really well done. We're, we so much appreciate uh, the gifts that God has placed in this body of believers, uh, music, uh, musical gifts, uh, leadership gifts, technical gifts, uh, gifts of mercy, gifts of, of giving and, and uh, serving in so many different ways. And it's such a, such a blessing to be a part of this church family. So uh, I would say a big hello to all of you today and wherever you are and, uh, and trust that you're uh, just looking to the Lord this morning to meet your needs. And, and um, music is a big part. Singing, worshiping uh, God with our, with our voices uh, is really important. Um, 
so is uh, giving, and usually at this time in the morning we have a time where we'll have an offering time, and and uh, of course in these days it's everybody everybody's wondering like how do we how do we make a note? How's the church doing uh, finances? It's so early in all of this we don't really know uh, how we're doing, but uh, but uh, we are trusting God, and it's never been easy uh, because there's always the challenges when it comes to finances. Um, you know, God gives us so much, but we have to manage those resources. And, and the church moves forward in our ministry together as God gets all the hearts of those who, uh, who re- realize that we owe him everything. And he, he's forgiven us and restored us, given us new life because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, he changes our lives and he, and he turns us into followers of Jesus. And, and so uh, how we manage our financial resources has always been part of that and always will be part of that. And so there are all, always obstacles when it comes to giving. Uh, even just on a personal level, the work that needs to take place in my heart and life to get me to the place where I'm willing and able to really be a part of of uh, underwriting, financially underwriting the, the ministry we do together, the work we do uh, to further the gospel of Jesus. So, uh, And in these days, uh, we, we have ways that we can uh, receive offerings from our, from our people. And uh, we uh, want to mention those. Uh, the website is one really uh, uh, key help there. You can go to our website, which is sharethejourney.ca. And you can see a tab there for giving, and you just click on that, and you should be able to give that way. Also, there, we have an app, Church Center app, and if you don't have the app yet uh, on your device, you can cert- uh, simply go to the, uh, the app store and uh, search for Church Center app, and uh, center spelt E-R, not R-E, for all you Canadians out there. Um, uh, search for Faith Baptist dash GV, and you'll find that, and just follow the prompts there. Uh, you can give by text. Uh, just simply text the amount to eight four three two one, and you should be able to do that. If you are a regular contributor to our ministry financially, and you are interested in having electronic funds transfer set up. Uh, we can do that as well. That's a great way to give. A number of our people do that. If you would like to do that, you can simply send us an email and we'll direct that to our treasurer and Marion will uh, will help you get that set up. Uh, and of course, you can always drop a check in the mail. Uh, our address is on the screen there and, uh, and you can uh, get your offering in uh, that way. It's a very practical thing giving uh, out of our resources of what the Bible calls the first fruits. And that's a portion, uh, the first portion uh, the, of what God has given to us monetarily. We give back to him for his work. And um, it's a critical part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And foremostly, it is an act of worship. So will you join me in prayer this morning as we just pray and ask God to, to bless uh, our people and also to bless others through us as we worship the Lord together with our lives and with our, our, our gifts. Lord, we thank you for the songs we've been able to sing together today. Um, songs about your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your work in our lives. And we are excited for what you're doing in these days. We know you use hard things, Lord. We know you use uh, hard things to do good things in the lives of those that you love. And, 
and uh, we're thankful for your word today. And in, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, how it says that you use all things and cause all things to work together for good to those that love you, to those who are called according to your purpose. And we claim that promise today. And uh, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, accomplish your will in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for everyone who stands with us here in this church family, this church body, uh, financially to support uh, the work we do together. And we know that um, you are much at work there. And we just thank you for each gift and each giver today. And we pray that as we worship you with our tithes and offerings, that you would be honored in our lives and you would be glorified and that people would be encouraged and helped through the ministry of this church family. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The other thing that we normally do around this time on Sunday mornings is dismiss our kids for the children's program. And uh, so each week when we gather, um, we have an age-appropriate learning time for all of our children. And uh, so we're trying to move as much of that online as we can. And so uh, I want to give a shout-out to parents today. I want to thank you for uh, the critically important role you play in the lives of your children when it comes to seeing them nurtured in a relationship with, with the Lord. It's, uh, you're, you are on the front lines of your children's uh, uh, lives for, for, for Jesus, and we're thankful for you. And we want to encourage you today, and we have uh, secured permission from LifeWay. We're thankful that LifeWay has given us permission to put uh, some of the curriculum resources online. You can go to our website, sharethejourney.ca, and you'll find there uh, a link. You can click on the ministry tab and find a link to uh, the video and the journal and the activity page as well. And uh, if you uh, are part of our church family, you would have received a password in your email. So check your email for that. If you, if you uh, need help with that, uh, just email us. Again, it's info at sharethejourney.ca. And uh, don't forget the challenge that Alex issued this week uh, to get your kids together and do something creative with the story and then post it online. Uh, it's a Lego or Play-Doh challenge. I like how those things rhyme, and that's always good. It helps us remember. So Lego or Play-Doh. Uh, or if you want to use something else creative, I'm sure that would, be, that would be great too. I know some of you are really creative. I'd love to see what you come up with. And kids love this. They love to make things, and, and they, are, they have all the imagination that God packed into them when he made them, and, and so that's a blessing for us to see those things. So you can sh uh, share those on our social media. Uh, make sure you post your comments there below the video on our social media page. And I just want to pray one more time for our children this morning, for you parents out there as you're, uh, as you're uh, encouraging them. In the, in the Lord. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for every parent uh, it's, that's uh, thinking through these thoughts today and thinking about their children, their home, and their family, and their part in it. It's such a, such a big role. Lord, we are so, so thankful for uh, those who uh, nurture and care and teach and sacrifice out of their own selves for you and for others and, and for their children, that their children might come to know you and grow in their relationship with you. Uh, Lord, we uh, just right now ask that you would give them an extra portion in these days. 
And um, we pray for the little ones today. Uh, we ask that you would use these days to, to teach them about your love and care and about how important it is for us to be serving others. So we just commit them to you. We pray that they have great times uh, this day and the days going forward, great times of learning and growth. And we thank you uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. The message today, Doug Campbell is going to be sharing with us. We're excited about that. And he's speaking, as Josh mentioned earlier, from Luke chapter 2. And he's going to be talking about children, in fact, as we look at the dedication of Jesus, which is uh, really early on in the New Testament as we make our way through uh, the Bible over the course of three years. We've just been in the New Testament, just getting into the New Testament. And so Doug's going to come uh, and he's going to share and... uh, I'm going to get him to do that right now, if you would, Doug. It's really good to have him here. I tell I tell you to give him a big hand, but he probably wouldn't hear you. So, thanks, Doug. Morning, everybody. Thanks. Glad to be with you this morning. Certainly miss... Uh, Having a full congregation here, but uh, we're glad that you're able to tune in at home. A lot of changes happening. Um, maybe you've taken off uh, an hour from your binge watching of Christmas movies. Um, people have asked us, what's it like for us to self-isolate? And um, Well, that's just how we live. <laughs> we are pretty isolated. So not much has changed in our, our neck of the woods. Um, but there's a lot of changes you have to go through. Um, one of them is not to touch your face. You ever realize how hard it is not to touch your face? We were listening to the radio on the way over, and the guy said, they, somebody studies the stuff. The average person touches their face uh, 16 times an hour. But if you have glasses or a mustache or a nose, it might be 16 times a minute. And uh, anyway, you just got to kind of make some changes and be aware of what you're doing. Um, today we're going to look at the, uh, the dedication of Jesus uh, from Luke chapter 2. And... I was thinking of all the examples that we could have of dedication, what it means to be dedicated, and really, we're living in an example. I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. I don't think you have either. Uh, The dedication of a whole country, a whole society, even a whole world, to change the way we do things in order to get uh, ahead of this coronavirus. It's really something to see. And uh, all ordinary life, it's just like it was in, in uh, the Second World War. Ordinary life comes to a standstill. Industries retool to make uh, different products. Um, people are home. People are isolating. And goodness knows what this is going to mean for the future. Life's going to change. This is just uh, the beginning of it. It's incredible to see. Uh, when you think of the word dedication, see, You're always doing this. Uh, Self-sacrifice and commitment is one of the things that I think about when it comes to the word dedication. Uh, A commitment to a goal or a way of life. Uh, When I think of dedicated people, what comes to mind uh, the last couple weeks is healthcare workers. Uh, And they're the ones that are the most, uh, I guess, in danger of, of, of getting ill. And there are so many healthcare workers, from doctors and nurses to, to cleaners and, and secretaries or administrators or whatever. Um, spiritually speaking, it has a bit of a different angle, but it, roughly the same thing. It's the act or the right of dedicating uh, something or someone to God for sacred use. 
So you might think of dedicating a building or dedicating money, dedicating people. Uh, often we think of who are dedicated, like missionaries are dedicated to serving God. Um, one of the most dedicated people I know is our pastor, Steve Adams. Uh, he's been dedicated to this ministry since way back, like way back, back in the 80s. Um, and it, what it means, and I know it means for him, is just to set yourself apart to a definite use for the purposes of God. So that's kind of an ordinary word. We know what dedication means. Uh, Christians, we tend to use another word that's similar, consecrate. And the word consecrate does mean dedicated to a, uh, a sacred purpose. And maybe a little more, it's considering that we actually belong to God. You know, we're not just dedicating ourselves, but really we're lining up with reality because we actually belong to God. Um, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 in a minute, but I want to just draw your attention, kind of set up the context for um, the dedication of Jesus. So when you go to uh, Exodus chapter 13, um, the Lord said to Moses, verse 2, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Now, what does, what's that all about? Well, first of all, the word uh, consecrate is the Hebrew word kadash, and it means to sanctify or to set apart, to consider something as holy to the Lord. In other words, it belongs to God. And God declared that all the firstborn males, whether of people or the flocks, belonged to him. And the context of that was what just happened in Exodus, was the death of the firstborn in Egypt, all the firstborn sons in Egypt were killed by the destroying angel. And all the firstborn sons of Israel were passed over as they celebrated Passover and the sons were protected. And so God said, they belong to me. When you turn over to Numbers chapter, um, chapter 11, or chapter 3, It uh, kind of amplifies this a little bit more. Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the people of Israel. Instead of every firstborn who opens the womb among the people of Israel, the Levites shall be mine. For all the firstborn are mine. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated from my own all the firstborn in Israel, both of man and beast. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. Often God said that after making certain very strong statements in the Old Testament, he would say, I am the Lord. In other words, to say, I am God, and I have the prerogative to do this, and I must be obeyed and listened to. So God set apart the tribe of the Levites to serve in place of the firstborn of every son. So we took a whole tribe and counted that. So that's the context of of the dedication of Jesus. So we're going to look at the, uh, some of the scriptures in uh, Luke chapter 2 to read um, about Christ's dedication. So that's found in Luke 2, uh, starting at verse 21, at the end of eight days, after the uh, eight days after Jesus was born, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, and so you're talking about Mary and Joseph and, um, and, and just the whole family, this idea of purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem 
to present him to the Lord. So they were likely in Bethlehem still, and they brought him up to Jerusalem a few miles uh, up the hill. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who is first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this was a kind of a two-edged rite uh, of uh, presenting Jesus and offering an offering for their purification. Now in our church, like most Baptist and New Testament churches, um, we baptize babies. We don't dedicate babies. Uh, and the reason for that is that we believe that the, the Bible teaches that children should make their own decision about baptism when they reach the, an age of understanding because it's a personal thing between them and the Lord. So our act of child dedication... Pardon? Yes. Oh, sorry. Did I say I, we baptized... Yeah, I was baptized when I was a baby, so I'm all confused. But we, we, we dedicate our children instead of baptizing them. And, and so our dedication looks something like uh, the dedication of Jesus. So we're going to talk about dedication in terms of children, but also just in terms of all of us, because dedication is something that is a call to all of us who uh, want to know and follow the Lord. So what did it entail? Well, we already talked about um, the firstborn, but there was a, uh, a reference um, of the purification rite. So I'll just read that uh, from uh, Leviticus chapter 12 about the, uh, the mother, the new mother. She had to have, uh, be purified from uh, the uncleanness of childbirth. If she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. And so for a son, that was uh, 33 days after the circumcision was on the eighth day. So it was 40 days that she had to wait for this purification. Then there's this other rite, or this other uh, thing that they had to do, and it was basically redeeming the child. The law is complicated. Sometimes I'm glad I'm not an Old Testament believer. So uh, Numbers chapter 18, verse 15, everything that opens the womb of all flesh, whether man or beast, which they offer to the Lord, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem, and their redemption price at a month old you shall redeem them. You shall fix at five shekels in silver. It was five shekels in Moses' time, and it was still five shekels in Jesus' time. There's no inflation, I guess, with the economy of God. So what that meant was there was just several aspects to this law. There weren't enough Levites to cover all the firstborn in Israel. So every male, if you wanted to redeem this child, uh, you would pay five shekels to the, uh, to the temple. And that's just how God operated. And he wanted to impress upon everybody that these children belonged to him first. So one of the best examples of all of this is found in Samuel. Hannah, who was a woman, uh, had a husband, and did not have any children. And she wanted children more than anything. And so in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11... It says she, she was praying and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your servant and remember me 
and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. So Hannah was, you know, so wanting a child that she was willing to give the child up to God all the days of his life. And this idea of no razor shall touch his head was what we... The Old Testament called a Nazarite vow that this child would belong and be consecrated to God for his whole life. Well, hallelujah, Hannah got her prayer answered and God gave her a son. And over in verse uh, 28, uh, 27, she said, For this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And so we know the story of, um, of Samuel. Uh, he lived with his mother at home till he was three years old. And then she sent him off to serve God in the temple at three years old. Kind of amazing, isn't it? But we have children in our church that but when they're three, they're kind of ready to serve the Lord. Like they're all in. Uh, so it's really not that, uh, not that uh, strange. But uh, she understood that this child was God's and she willingly um, gave him up. I um, got a CD this winter that I, I really like. This is a great CD. It's uh, Martin Smith, who was uh, the front man for Delirious for years, has written many, many great Christian songs. It's called Iron Lung. And I was kind of intrigued about, I kind of had an idea what an iron lung was. Um, it's something like a ventilator. And you've heard a lot of talk about ventilators and how... Uh, um, we probably don't have enough ventilators, and a ventilator is something that helps somebody breathe. It breathes for you. Well, that's what an iron lung was back in the day, and an iron lung was quite a contraption. That you basically would uh, put the person in the iron lung, which is this big, you know, uh, body length thing, and you put this top over and their head sticking out and it's run on a couple of vacuum cleaners apparently and it would help you breathe. It would create a negative pressure and it would help you breathe. And so I was kind of intrigued about why this was called Iron Lung. So the first song in this city is called Iron Lung and it's really his testimony. Um, so this is uh, the words. I was born without a sound. I didn't cry, so they put me in an iron lung. All alone and nearing death, but I heard your heartbeat pulsing through my chest. Oh, you took my breath away so that I would learn to need you. My mother prayed I'd make a noise. If you do this for me, then you could have my son back. My father made a deal with God, and then he left me stranded in the arms of love. I love how he writes. That's kind of the same idea. They were so, they had this son, and he, he couldn't breathe on his own. There was some kind of a lung problem, and they put him in an iron rung and just begged God that if they would do something, or he would do something, um, my father made a deal with God. And, you know, Martin Smith, a lot of his singing, um, a lot of his lyrics, he'll say that, you know, his whole purpose in life is to sing back to God all that God has done for him, and I really appreciate him. So do we really understand what we are saying when we dedicate our children to the Lord? I think a lot of us have uh, dedicated to our, our children to the Lord. We did years ago when they were little. What does it entail? Well, if you read the, uh, uh, the excerpt or the uh, statement that we use in uh, our dedication um, ceremony, um, basically the dedication is 
quoted as to love and serve the Lord with all your heart, provide a godly home, to pray and live fully for Christ and as an example for the children to follow. That's what parents are doing because the parents really are doing the dedicating, right? You know, when you're dedicating a little child, they might squawk and, and make a noise and, and, and cry or laugh, but I mean, they're not really kind of speaking uh, usually. I mean, sometimes they're older and they, they can, but by and large, it's the parents that are doing the dedicating. And they're saying, God, would you bless this child? And I think what we can do is uh, maybe amplify uh, what we do as a church and what we do as Christians by, again, looking at uh, the dedication of Jesus. So it says, we go back to the, the passage, um, verse 22, the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. In other words, they're presenting him to God. And that word present means, it's the word paristomy, uh, and it means to place a person at someone's disposal. In other words, they're literally saying, God, this child is yours. Now, in pagan cultures in Old Testament times, uh, some of them would offer their children to their God on the altar, and the child would be sacrificed and killed. God's uh, way of doing things wasn't like that at all. God wasn't interested in destroying. Uh, he was interested in saving. So, But what it meant was they would place that children before the Lord and say, this children is yours. It means also to bring near into fellowship and intimacy. So there's this sense that, you know, they want uh, to acknowledge that this child belongs to God and hopefully that the child would understand that they belong to God. So maybe the thought would be like, would be something like this, Lord, this child belongs to you. You have lent them to us for upbringing, and we give them back to you for whatever you see fit to do with their lives. Is that what we have in mind when we're dedicating? You know, we're parents for life. You never stop being a parent. But first, they belong to God, and we need to remember that. Uh, one of the ways we can maybe understand that is in how long before your children, your young children, start exerting their independence. Boys, it's not long, is it? Now, I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, you might have a four-year-old who just, you know, I, I can remember when Ben said to me, Dad, I'm the boss. And we had a little discussion about that. He was very adamant that he was tired of me bossing him around, that he was the boss. Um, and gradually, that becomes to the fore, particularly when they hit double digits, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there, they begin to exert independence and we start freaking out. Like we don't know what to do with that because, um, and we chafe against that because they belong to us and they need to do what we tell them. And, and uh, that can cause a lot of consternation between parents and particularly teenagers. And I think rather than chafe against that, we need to work with that because we need to understand that they belong to God. They're their own person. And they're becoming their own person. And what we need to start doing is instead of, you know, barking orders is, is guidance and releasing them to God and teaching them that they belong to God. If they would catch that, uh, maybe uh, it would be easier on everybody. <laughs> I know they would appreciate it. So what does dedication look like? Well, we've got two great examples right here in Luke chapter 1 and, and chapter 2. Last week, uh, Josh led us through... Uh, John the Baptist's uh, 
life and uh, into Jesus' birth. Um, and uh, there's some things that we can learn from John the Baptist. So if you look at the life of John, this is what dedication looked like. A dedication to serve even unto death. Now when you read the prophecy in Luke 1 uh, that Zechariah, his father, gave, and in, in, in a, a way like, a, you know, when parents come up to dedicate, um, they will say things, they will have written out something, that they, their prayer or their promise or their hope that they uh, tell God about what they'd like to see for their child. And so uh, Zechariah did the same, the same thing. Verse 76 of Luke 1, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. What an awesome prediction of what their son was going to do. Actually, absolutely amazing. Um, and that's because that's what the angel told Zechariah back in uh, verse uh, 14. The angel said, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Wow, can you imagine an angel showing up and saying, your child's going to be great before the Lord. And in a way, we kind of know that. We, we have these hopes and, and dreams and ambitions for our children that are, uh, wow, we want everything for them. Uh, Elizabeth said in verse 25, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people because she was looked down upon because she couldn't have any children. And as an elderly lady, we don't know how old, but an older lady, she had a baby and that took away her reproach. Awesome things that they expected. You imagine the expectations. Um, and then when the whole community uh, caught on to this, when the baby was born and John, who was struck dumb, all of a sudden could speak again, and they said, uh, uh, what then will this child be? Like the whole community was stirred up about what this baby was going to be like. Well, they were elderly when they had John, and... Uh, you know, when we read about John in, in Luke chapter 3, he's in the desert, and he's roughly maybe six months or so older than Jesus, not much older. Um, so he's, you know, around 30 years old, maybe something like that when he begins his ministry. So likely, Zechariah and Elizabeth have passed on, uh, more than likely. And I was thinking, you know, that's probably why, you know, John's out in the desert. And imagine if they were still alive, the gossip that would go on. You know, Zechariah, why is your son so weird? You know, what, what's he doing out there wandering in the desert? Elizabeth, how come your boy is eating bugs and honey and dressed in camel hair? Like, it's perhaps best they weren't around to see that. He, because John bought into the prophet's mantle. You know, this idea that uh, he would come and, and, and prepare the way for the Lord. That he would become like an Elijah figure. And that's what Elijah was like. He was out, just kind of come out of the desert. And, you know, he's uh, eating strange food and, and, and looking pretty weird. And, and it was the prophet's mantle. In other words, they just took the calling and the lifestyle of this prophet coming out of the desert. Uh, and John was fully dedicated to the Lord. Never says anything about family or wife or anything. Just fully dedicated to the Lord. He spent his uh, public ministry proclaiming Christ. 
preparing people to receive Christ, uh, baptizing them, the baptism of repentance, and telling them that the Messiah was on the way and they needed to get ready for him. John was such a prophet that he even confronted the king, King Herod, about the fact that King Herod had his brother killed so he could have his wife. And that uh, resulted in Herod putting John in prison and resulted in him losing his head. That's what dedication meant for John the Baptist, a dedication to serve even unto death. And is that what they pictured for their son? You know, they're, they're dedicating him. They're, the whole community stirred up. They're just full of joy and happiness. He's going to be great. He's going to give light. He's going to guide our feet into the way of peace. Wow. And his head chopped off in prison. God's purposes sometimes are hidden. And it's a good thing. But they're trusted. I think Zachariah and Elizabeth just trusted God no matter what. And maybe they didn't get all the details of what would happen to him, but they believed that he was God's and God would do what he saw fit with his life. I've been uh, reading a, a devotional book, uh, which I rarely do, but I um, picked this one up. It's by Timothy and Kathy Keller, who is a well-known Christian writer. Oh, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. It's a year of daily devotions in the book of Proverbs. Uh, when I first opened it, I just didn't think it was, there was enough there. It's like one little page every day. And um, I like, I spend quite a bit of time in devotion, so... But I tried it out, and because I love Proverbs, and he kind of you know, goes into some of the other poetry as well. And I find it just really good. Um, I'd recommend you pick one up if you want to uh, get some wisdom in your life. So anyway, this is March 14th, and he's talking about hiddenness, how God hides things. And he's, uh, the context is Job's suffering. So I, I'm going to read it for you. God allows Satan only enough room to accomplish the very opposite of what he wanted to accomplish. So in other words, God said to Satan, you can, you can hurt Job, and he won't deny me. And Satan said, I can make him deny you. And God said, okay, do it, just spare his life. Imagine, Job had no clue. Satan resents Job, because Job is faithful, and wants to, him discredited and exposed as a fraud. As a result of his assaults, Today, Job is one of the most famous figures in history. Like here we are talking about Job who lived at least 4,000 years ago, maybe more. Millions of people have read about his life and have been helped by his example. God hates evil and permits into Job's life only the evil that will completely defeat Satan's intention. Yet at the end, Job is never told the plan. He never learns why he suffered. The lesson is God hates evil and suffering and has a plan that will defeat it, but we can hardly see any of the plan. It is hidden too deeply for us to see much of it at all. The people around Jesus' cross also shook their heads and said, I don't see how God could bring anything good out of this. So here's the point. If you knew that your suffering was glorifying God before the angels, demons, and powers, and principalities of the world, would that change your attitude? about it. Job had no idea that today I'd be talking about him. 
or that you might be reading about him, uh, or millions of people might be using his as an example of what it means to be faithful and to trust God. And he has a prayer at the end. Lord, my human pride makes me feel that I, with my reason, can't perceive any good reason for this suffering, then there can't be any. And that's just simply not true. God's got all kinds of reasons, but they're hidden. And we need to trust them. And I think that comes into play when we're talking about um, dedicating children. So what does dedication look like? Well, let's look at the life of Jesus. It's a dedication to serve even unto death. Uh, let's read the rest of the, the dedication passage. So we'll pick it up at um, verse 25. So they're in the temple, and they've presented Jesus, and they've made their offering. And it says, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he's worshiping in the temple. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. In other words, God had told him, you're going to see the Messiah before you die. And he came into the spirit, in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So Simeon has a prophecy and has a word uh, of praise back to God and then he says something to the parents. So verse 33, his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. And then verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. So she's worshiping in the temple. And she did not f depart from the temple, worshiping and fa with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So these two elderly saints of God uh, saw Jesus in the temple and realized that he is the coming Messiah and had uh, these prophecies, these words to speak of him. And it was really the words for the parents because, you know, Jesus is, you know, he's barely a month old. And uh, so what did they say? What did uh, Simeon say that really would catch the attention of Mary and Joseph. Well, the first thing is, this child is appointed for the fall of many in Israel. Wow, that's kind of a negative thing, right? This child is going to cause many in Israel to fall. Uh, Jesus said that, you know, he was the chief cornerstone, the stumbling stone, and that if you stumbled over him, uh, that would be a good thing because that would mean you would be broken, but if that stone were to fall on you, it would grind you to powder the rock of offense. 
And we learn later in the scriptures, uh, in John chapter 5, when Jesus said himself, all judgment was committed uh, by the Father to Jesus the Son. So he's appointed for the fall of many. Uh, that means that someday every, uh, every, every human being is going to have to stand before the judge of the universe and his name is Jesus Christ. And I hope you're ready for that day. You know, you might think of all the important things you'll ever have to do in your life. The most important thing you'll ever have to do in your existence is to stand before Jesus Christ. And be judged. Then he, he said this child is appointed for the rise of many in Israel. That's sort of, that's kind of the positive part. And, you know, I was thinking about that and the rise of many. It's almost like a, a resurrection. It's something new. It's like the new covenant, the new life. And, you know, it's John chapter 1 says that Jesus Christ is the one who gives the right for people to become children of God. Wow. See, the Messiah has got a twofold mission. One is to pay for the sins of people. The other is to restore people to God or to judge people. That's an incredible, an incredible thing. You know that Jesus Christ is the most important person who has ever lived. And you're going to stand before him someday. And he is either going to be your judge or your savior, depending on what you believe about him and what you do to receive him or, or, or to reject him. Serious business. Another thing that stuck out to me, uh, this child will be a sign that is opposed. I'll tell you one thing. We parents don't want any opposition for our children. Don't you get in the way of my child. Don't you get in the way of my child's success or my child's rights. Uh, we are very... Uh, forceful about protecting and, and, and opening the way for our children to, to do well in life. That's just how we are as parents. We don't want them to be opposed. We want them to succeed. And yet, the prophecy for Jesus was that he will be a sign that will be opposed. He is going to create opposition and he's going to get opposition. And I don't think they really fully knew what that meant, but I think it would be unsettling. Very unsettling. Would you like to be told that when you dedicate your children? You're gonna, this child's going to face opposition. Well, truth be told, that's exactly true. And then it says, a sword will pierce through your soul also which almost makes me think like, well, the opposition he's going to receive is going to result in a sword, and a sword is going to uh, pierce through your soul also. And he's kind of, you know, talking to, uh, uh, to Mary. So you start bringing sword into the, the discussion. That's really unsettling. Also, you know, he's going to come under the sword, and so are you. And I'm not sure what was going through her mind, but uh, I can tell you that there's no pain like that of a parent bereft of their child. There's just nothing that compares to that. And so they had this sense that 
uh, he's dedicated to serve even unto death. That's a lot to swallow on what should be a happy day. Do we understand what we're doing when we present our children to God? And then Anna had said, uh, you know, she spoke of him to who all were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Uh, Simeon and Anna were in the temple waiting. There was all kinds of people in Israel around that time waiting. They were waiting before Zechariah went in and, and, and received the message from the angel. They were waiting because it had been so long and God had, that God had shown up. And they believed that this was the time. But the message here is, yes, the Messiah is coming, but salvation is going to be costly, very costly. And so how did Jesus live? He fully took on the mantle of the Messiah. One of, the, uh, one of my favorite passages is in Luke chapter 9 when it says Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And they tried to, you know, dissuade him and get him to stop here, get him to do this, and just says his face was set for Jerusalem. Why? Because his face was set to go to the cross. Why? Because he was sent to die as a substitute for our sins. It reminds me of what David said. David, King David is great, 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 many greats, grandfather. My soul followeth hard after thee. That made a big impression on me years ago. I thought, Lord, that's what I want to be like. I want to follow close to you. That's what he meant. My soul follows hard after you. It's like close, as close as I can get, Lord. That's how I want to follow you. That's what Jesus did. And so there's a couple of questions here. One is how dedicated are you? Do you set your face? Do you follow close? Are you dedicated? Are you committed? Are you self-sacrificing? Are you consecrated? Are you sanctified? Uh, is God, do you belong to God? It's not just about your children belong to God. Do you belong to God? How dedicated am I? Pretty much every day I, I'm faced with that question because I, every morning I open up the scriptures and, and God's calling and God's you know inviting and God's ordering and, and I've got to accept the Lord's authority on my life brand new every day. What does it mean for us to dedicate our children and ourselves to the Lord? I can remember in 1984 when we dedicated Jenny the old church building. I don't remember what was said that day. I remember Glenda and I being on the platform with, with Pastor Ed and uh, we basically said something the way we do it today. We basically say, Lord, thy will be done for this child. Bless our child. May this child grow up to serve you. May they know they belong to you. What did we know? We didn't have a clue. <laughs> no idea what God would ask and plan. So maybe the definition of dedication is giving what is supremely valuable to us over to God for his use and his will, whatever he decides. 
I think that's kind of how it is. And so it's not just about our, us dedicating our children with that in mind, it's ourselves. Giving what is supremely valuable, our own lives. Jesus said, you know, whoever does not take up his cross cannot be my disciple. I read something else this morning that I, I just, I thought I would uh, add to this. Uh, talking about Job again. He's been into Job for about a week here. And about uh, Job's meeting God in uh, chapter 42. And he says this, Job repents. Remember that? I repent in sackcloth and ashes. He said, Look, God, I've heard about you, but now I see you. And I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I have got nothing more to say. And he says here, Job repents, but not for his sins, which were never the issue. Rather, he abandons his self-justification project, retracting his demand for an explanation. You ever try to get God to explain? Does, doesn't, uh, when, when trouble comes, don't we want an explanation from God? God, you got you to gotta tell me why you're doing this. Why are you letting this happen? What are you doing, God? When you encounter the living God of the Bible through his word and his spirit, every excuse, every demand, and every complaint dies in your heart because he is God. And that's what happened to Job. When Job met God, he quit asking for an explanation. And so the prayer that he has at the end here, Father, what I most need are not reasons and explanations, but a clear sight of you. You as you are in all your holiness, majesty, and glory. that every mouth may be stopped. What does it mean for us to dedicate our children and ourselves to God? Um, there's a scripture that you've probably read, and um, I think it fits the context here. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I've wrestled with that. I've wrestled with that. What's the supreme value in your life? Well, I got to say, for uh, one of the supreme values in my life was being the father of my daughter. But love for God's got to be bigger than that. Love for God has got to be the supreme value in my heart and in your heart. And why is that? Well, you know this scripture. We can read it from Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37. What's the great commandment? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. There's nothing greater, Jesus said, than to love God. And so the question, the main issue, the whole issue of the Christian life is, do we love Jesus over everything else? You will be called upon to answer that question. Maybe you already have in many times, whether it's to do with your children or whether it's to do with your, your own life. But God wants to know, 
do you love me more than these? I think that's what dedication is. Giving what is supremely valuable to us over to God and saying, God, you are the one who is supremely valuable to me. I hope you think about this this week. Dedication, consecration, teaching your children they belong to God, teaching yourself that you belong to God and releasing them to God and releasing yourself to God, to his glory. That's what he's asking us for. Uh, would you pray with me as we, we close? Father, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for, uh, you ask everything from us, Lord, but not before that you gave us everything. You sacrificed everything for us. And Lord, you call us to sacrifice our own will for you. And that seems like a pretty fair trade because Lord, you give us so much more. You call for us costly things, but God, you give us eternal things. You call for us an admission of sin and guilt, but God, you give us eternal grace and glory. Uh, you call from us, Lord, a willingness to bow the knee, and Lord, that's so you can raise us up and fill us and bless us and love us. You give us so much more than you ask. Lord, I pray for all those who are listening today that you would bless them, encourage them, and call to them. And God, may we learn to understand what it means to love you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, and all our strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.